0: Yeah, so I just want to say on the front end, how good is it to praise God and give him thanks today? Isn't it good? Yeah. Uh, the scriptures are clear that he inhabits the praise of his people. It also says this, wherever two or more are in his name, there he is in the midst. And so uh, uh, it's just good to praise him today. It really is good. I'm finding more and more. I'm trying to make this transition. I don't know where you're at with it. Where um, I spend more time in praise than I do in petitioning him for things and asking him. I can tell you confessionally, my prayer time was a lot. It was wrapped up just in God, and what about this, and what about this? And I'm finding more and more that uh, uh, praise is what he is looking for from us, and it, it lifts our spirits today. And I'm grateful, thanks to the team for leading us to this place. Uh, it's been said that uh, the, in the first hour of our day, uh, we set our perspective and our attitude about what that day is going to be like. You know, and so uh, I think that's true for this that worship will set the attitude and perspective for the whole week that's why God would say to us, "Remember the Sabbath, right, uh, or remember Sunday, and keep it keep it holy, you know, keep it set aside and and uh, there's other stuff that wants to get in his spot there's other stuff that wants to get in this time slot on Sunday morning, so kudos to you for setting aside. This first day of the week to do exactly what we're doing right now. So we're in this series called Who is Jesus? And the key thought of this is this series is that who we say Jesus is, is the most important thing about us today. Think about that. You know, so two goals of this series. One is... That Jesus' identity, who is Jesus, would be really clear to us. And the second one is this, that we would follow him as our Savior. So week one, we asked the question, who's Jesus? And uh, we answered it that week by saying, Jesus, is he God? Or is he just a good man? Or is he both? And I vote for this, that he was God taking on human flesh. He was God that came in the flesh. Uh, the second week, we talked about Jesus. Is he a friend or is he, is he a foe? And last week, I made a strong case that he's a friend. As a matter of fact, he'll be the best friend you could ever have in your life if you allow him to come into your life. So we'll continue with this today. Uh, and We're going to start off with uh, what I believe is one of the most life-giving statements that Jesus ever made. Right, It's in the context, it's our memory verse for today. And so what I would like us to do is to read it out loud together. We're getting really good at this, by the way. And I forgot to say hi to those folks online. Good morning. Glad you're sitting there in your pajamas and your coffee this morning. Okay, listen to this. Uh, But let's read this in sync together. Ready? Here we go. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What's he saying? He's saying this, if you put me in your life and you begin to follow my ways, not your ways, if you begin to walk with me, if you begin to, uh, uh, you will experience abundant life, like a life like you never had before, and you won't have to wander in darkness. Because this is what I know about darkness. Darkness can be scary, can it? So online, in the room, at Medina, how about if we do this together? How many of you, when you were a kid, you were afraid of the dark? Would you just lift up your hand? Ooh. No, I don't think you heard the question. How many of you? (laughs) Okay, here's another one. How about this? Help me out with this one. How many of you as adults, you're still a little bit afraid of the dark? (laughs) All right. Yep, I hear you. And so um, uh, the real phobia for darkness, being a fear of the dark, is nyctophobia, nyctophobia. And it's triggered by the brain's reaction, right, anticipating and perceiving that there are some things that happen in the darkness that could be bad. So in reading about nyctophobia, guess what? I came across some other phobias I had never heard about before. Have you heard about these? Let me just address a couple of them. You ready? So how about this? You better hope you're not sitting next to someone that has this phobia. Here's this phobia. It's called Ablutophobia. Ablutophobia. It's the fear of bathing. You'll know if you're sitting next to someone that has that fear. How about this one? This is another one. How about this one? Nomophobia. Now, I didn't say nomorphobia. I said nomophobia. You know what that is? It's a fear of having your cell surface, cell phone service cut off. <laughs> that, that's like a very real fear today. And, and here's another one, right? Uh, Pilatophobia. You know what this is? It's a fear of bald people. Now, if this happened to you today, that you walked into the room and nobody was sitting next to you, but then a, a bald guy sat next to you, you can move right now because I don't want you to be afraid for the rest of the service. Yeah, so spiritually speaking, though, nyctophobia, I, I think it's talked about in the Scripture. I think this theme of darkness is, and light are contrasted in the Scripture. And, and God is often referred to as light. And Satan is often referred to and associated with darkness. As a matter of fact, Satan had a nickname name in the scripture. It was the prince of darkness. And when Jesus was born, they begin to talk about him. He's a light that shines in the darkness. I love this part. And the darkness can never extinguish it. If you're ever worried about Satan taking over your life when Jesus is in it, that only happens one way if we give him permission, because darkness cannot overtake the light. So um, darkness is associated with sin often, and light is associated with faith in God. So we can see these contrasting uh, things in our memory verse we just read. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But what you may not know is this I am statement that I just read is, uh, is found in one of the gr- most grace-filled stories in the Bible. And we're going to look at it today. It's a story of the woman that was caught in adultery. It's found in John 8, so if you have your Bible with you, open to John 8. If you've got the Bible app, open to that. If not, we're going to put the scripture up on the, the, the TV. So, um, but this is the three things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the law. We're going to talk about the love. And we're going to talk about the light. Law, love, and light. Sounds kind of like a romantic comedy, doesn't it? But we'll cover these today uh, in this message. So um, we'll see how each one of those shows itself and why the I am statement that we just read can be so life-giving. So uh, let's talk about this. The truth is that we all have darkness in our life at one point or another. So if you have sinned before, I want you to say amen. If you've sinned before, on the count of three, say amen. One, two, three. Okay, good. This is so good. <laughs> you guys are so real. You know, uh, it's it's just good that we can confess that. Because this is the bottom line of the message. Here's the bottom line. Unless we see ourselves as sinners, we won't see our need for a Savior. And we need a Savior. So let's talk about darkness, right, for a little bit here. Darkness can lead to an incredible amount of shame and regret And it can also, we can add to that uh, guilt. That's what darkness does. It could be because of poor choices that we made that we genuinely regret. Or maybe we're stuck right now, even as we're here in this room, maybe we're stuck in a sin that no one else knows about. And when we execute that particular sin, on the other side of that, there's remorse and there's guilt and there's shame. It could be that someone mistreated you, even abused you when you were young, and it wasn't your fault, and and you've rectified that situation. But sometimes in life, there are triggers that remind us of the shame that we felt way back when. It could be something from the past that we've been forgiven for. God has forgiven us. We asked him forgiveness. He gave us forgiveness. But we still haven't forgiven ourselves. And when we don't forgive ourselves, we mess with his grace. We can't receive it. So what I hope is that we experience a God who desperately wants us to exchange regret and shame and guilt for his forgiveness, for his grace, and then for his freedom today. That's what my prayer So the good news is we can trade our darkness for light. So let's talk about the law just for a minute so we're straight. Here's how it plays out in this story, right? The law reveals our guilt. So here's the story, right? It says that the dawn appeared again, Jesus appeared again in the temple's courts where all the people were gathered so now his ministry is going for a while now wherever he went there was just a crowd that formed like i don't think there were that many people in church but when he was there they showed up and so they're there and it goes on to say the teachers of the law the pharisees brought a woman in who was caught in adultery now let me pause right so what's going on here so a married guy and a woman right uh, were creeping around doing some things they shouldn't have been doing. And somehow the Pharisees, who were the law enforcers of the Jewish tradition, they found out about it. And they found out the house, and so they go in and they drag her out right in the middle. You know what didn't happen here, by the way, if you read the story? I just want to ask you, where's the guy? Because the law read the man and the woman would face judgment. But he's not mentioned here. You know, they were, the Pharisees were actually breaking their own law. And so they take this woman out who, is, is the woman guilty? Yes. Is she wrong? Yes. Right? They drag her out, being caught in the act of adultery. And the story continues. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, right? They made her stand before the group. See? They're not just trying to point out the wrong in her life. Can I tell you what they're doing? They're trying to trap Jesus, and they're using her to attack his credibility. And they said, it says, in the woman, this woman is caught in adultery. The scripture continues. It says, in the law of Moses, right, Uh, it's commanded that we would stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him or Jesus. Now, the Pharisees were correct. The Old Testament law did say that, that if a man or a woman were caught in adultery, that the punishment was stoning them. I was thinking this morning, adultery had to be a lot less prevalent during those days. (laughs) Yeah, and so uh, verse 6 says they're trying to trap Jesus with a question. Here's a question, right? What do you think we should do with her? Now, he's in a dilemma. Because let's say Jesus said, don't, no, don't stone her. They would accuse him of violating Jewish law. Let's say he says, yes, stone her. Then it would affect all his credibility as this loving Savior that came into the world. Let's say he said, yes, stone her. You know what? They could go to the Roman rulers and say, Jesus said, stone her. And it's not a right that a Jewish person had in that Roman culture. So now we look at Jesus' response uh, just for a second, and it's really amazing. And I don't want us to miss this. The main point here is that God's law does help us help reveal guilt in our life. It's there for that purpose, that when we cross over a line, we would know it by this emotion of guilt that he put in our life. He gave us principles... By, He wrote them down in the book called the Bible. The purpose of the law was to reveal when we get off track because here's what the truth is. None of us are good enough to follow his laws 100% of the time. So help me out here. Look at your neighbor, whoever sat next to you, or if someone's with you online or speak to the TV, look at the person next to you and say, sometimes you miss the mark. Isn't that so therapeutic? Some of you have been wanting to say that for a long time. (laughs) I'll tell you what the problem is. We don't like to admit our guilt. You know? In our culture, we have certain things that we say to kind of play down our guilt. Right? Like this might be one. I've used this before. Well, God, I'm, I'm basically a good person. I'm not perfect, but I have a good heart. Dear Father, I am doing the best I can do living in the world that I live in, right? And we play it down just a little bit, but that's how we see ourselves, but God sees us differently. God does not see us as good people getting better, especially if we're without him in our life. He sees us as sinners that could get worse. And so he will call it out in our life when we compare our lives to God's ways. What that reveals is our guilt. So let's think about this in light of traffic laws. Can we for a minute? So a few years ago, I'm in Rochester visiting with a pastor, and so I leave that appointment. I'm driving the streets of Rochester, but not paying much attention, and so I come up to a red light, and the car ahead of me takes a left-hand turn. So I'm like, ah, dude, I'd take a left-hand turn, because I thought there was a green arrow, and I didn't know that there wasn't, because I wasn't looking for one, you know, but I'll tell you when I found out, a week later, when I got a fine in the the, the mail with a picture of my car and the license plate number, and it was a $75 fine. Now, did I mean to go through that red light? Not that one. <laughs> but here's the truth. It didn't matter. I did, it didn't matter that I didn't know the law. My excuses didn't matter either because they had a picture that revealed my grief, gr- guilt, and it, and it cost me money. But let's be honest, Right? Uh, if we fall short following God's ways on occasion and maybe often. And if you're sitting here going, not me, Pastor Rick, I have never <laughs> broken one of God's laws. Well, congratulations this morning. It's just you and Jesus that ever did that, okay? <laughs> the bottom line of the message, until we see ourselves as sinners, we'll never see a need for a Savior. So when I received the ticket, I could have said, It wasn't my fault. Someone led me astray. I could have said, don't I get a mulligan? Don't I get a do-over here? Or I could have accepted the violation. There's more to this message. Thank God. The law reveals our guilt, but love reveals grace. You ready? Love reveals grace. The good news is God deals with our guilt by extending his grace. And so my definition of grace is this. It's when we get what we don't deserve. It's when we get what we don't deserve. So let's go back to the story. Imagine the shame and guilt and regret that the lady felt. And she was fearful for her life. And here's how Jesus responded to her. It says this. That, but Jesus bent down. Now, and I was thinking about this. You know, It doesn't say that he was staring at the lady. Because she already had enough eyes on her, condemning her. But he bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, it doesn't say what he wrote. But some theologians and historians believe that what he began to write in the ground that day, in the dirt, were the sins that some of the Pharisees had committed. The story continues. It says... Uh, This, that when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Now this part, right, without sin, um, uh, when it's translated from the Greek, it comes out without sin. But there's more meaning here in the Greek. It it, It means like without even thinking to sin. It's a little stronger emphasis there. It's not just focused on our outward behavior, it's focused on our inward motive. And so Jesus says, hey, any of you who have never done anything wrong, any of you who have never intended to do anything wrong, you pick up a stone and you can throw it first. See, remember, this lady was caught in sin. Ah, they sinned and they weren't caught goes on to say, notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't dismiss the fact that she sinned. He goes after those who are ready to condemn her. And so he says something like this. Hey guys, come here for a minute. You want to stone her? He said, how about if we get in a circle and have a confession moment? How about if I start on my right and you confess your sin And after you confess it, we'll stone you. And then we'll go on to the next person in a circle. Pharisee Johnny, how about if you go first? (laughs) It changes stuff, doesn't it? It changes stuff. Now, let's not be too hard on the Pharisees. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Because there's a tendency for us to notice the sin in someone else's life. I'm just being honest today, right? Right? And minimize the sin in our life. You know, if they, if they, um, their actions, we'll judge them by their actions. We'll judge us by our intentions. Uh, What we call a sin in somebody else's life, we might call a weakness in our life. Right? If gossip, if they gossip and spread a rumor, it's gossip when they do it. But when we do it, it's just venting. I'm just venting. (laughs) The story continues. It says again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Uh, By the way, this is um, one of my favorite parts of the scripture. This scripture, it says, and those who heard began to go away one at a time. Who? The older ones first until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Can you imagine what that felt like? I mean, the encounter started with this incredible guilt and shame, and the weight of it now begins to be lifted, and her shame begins to be lifted, and her regret begins to be lifted. Why? Because she came into contact with Jesus' grace. That's the only thing that changed. So I shared earlier about a traffic violation that I had to pay that I didn't mean. But I remember another time when I received incredible grace over a traffic violation. I was pulled over by a state police man when I coasted through the stop sign here at the four, five corners. Don't judge me. If you've never coasted through a stop sign or sped or just totally ignored a red light you can cast the first stone (laughs) so as i pulled over the officer came up to the you know what they say first license registration i gave him the license registration then they asked this clarifying question do you know why i pulled you over i said yes sir i said i just coasted through that stop sign back there and he said um where are you headed i said i'm going to unimark to get a sweet roll And I can get you one. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, then I'm, then I'm coming back to work. And he said, where do you work? And I was at the five corners just beyond it. And I said, at that church over there? I got to confess to you. I pulled the pastor car on, more, <laughs> car on more than one occasion when I was pulled over. I don't know. Troopers don't like to give you a ticket. They think God's going to hold them accountable when they get to <laughs> heaven. <laughs> So he gave me back my license and registration immediately. And he looked at me and he said, stop means stop, even for you, pastor. (laughs) And then he said, next time, you may not be so lucky. And I said, thank you, Jesus. I mean, thank you, sir. And I pulled away after receiving grace when I could have received guilt. Here's the good news, right? Here's the good news. When he didn't give me a ticket, he extended grace to me. Even though God's law reveals our guilt, can I tell you what? He's not standing there waiting to give us a ticket. We don't have to pay the fine. If we call out to God and ask him for forgiveness, he gives us grace. He forgives it. And it's what we need at the moment, and grace can change everything. It did for this woman. I know some of you here today, maybe this whole thing is applying to you because you've had shame and guilt and regret. It could be from your own actions or it could be something that happened and maybe somebody said something about you and you believe the lies. I got good news for you today. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thought that would be a little louder when I said that. I heard a couple of amens. <laughs> There's no condemnation. His love reveals amazing grace. Grace, hear me close, <laughs> is not an excuse to do, keep doing whatever we want. Hello? It's not an excuse to keep doing whatever we want. That officer did not say to me when he turned around and went to his car, keep, keep coasting through stop signs. <laughs> no, 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 he said stop. Stop means stop. Even for you. Let's not miss what Jesus said to this woman. He declared to her in John 8, 11, He said, go now and leave your life of sin. After receiving God's grace, Jesus says, have some urgency about this now. Look, I don't know how trapped you are in that particular thing, but guess what? You don't have to do it the rest of your life. My grace will give you power. Remember what I talked about before? The the, the darkness cannot overcome the light. And we have this tool that we can use after receiving God's grace. The same grace that God extended to this lady extends to us to help us leave our life of sin. The last thing is this. I talked about the law and love. Let's talk about the light. The light reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. So when Jesus told the woman to leave her life of sin, he wasn't saying, now is the only time I'm ever going to forgive you for this, so you better not mess up. (laughs) Mm. Do you have one? Do you have one area of your life where you've had to get forgiveness multiple times and you got grace? No, he's saying you don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to keep You don't have to keep pursuing a guy that can't fulfill you in your life. If you're looking for fulfillment, you are looking at him. I can bring fulfillment into your life. And he gives her hope. It says this when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. There's hope. We don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to be captive by secret sins. We don't have to, even though we live in a dark world, it's possible to experience peace and joy and freedom. The light that Jesus reveals is our hope. Think about it. Light really can represent hope. Think about when a storm comes through and it knocks out the power in your section of town, and all of a sudden, everything goes dark. We got no television, no charging of the phone, no clocks. And if the outage lasts long enough, our food spoils. We have to get out candles and maybe a flashlight. And the lights being out doesn't bother us at first, but then it becomes frustrating. And power is restored and hope is given because the lights come on. But in order for us to experience that hope, it's got to be that our light goes back on. I'm talking spiritually. It can't be that your neighbor's light is on. We don't get light by osmosis. We get light by letting light be our light, letting the light of Jesus be our light in our life. See, you know what happened in the life of this woman? The light of the world became the light of her world. <laughs> and she walked away from that situation, leaving shame, regret, and guilt behind, and receiving a new hope. So, I wanted us to leave today with the same experience that that woman had. And I was thinking about this and I was like, um, how about if we have communion? I mean, communion maybe in a different sense. That we don't press out the bread and the drink. I'm talking about communication and communion with the Father in which we lay down all the things that get in our way of that and we just have an open conversation with Him and if there's stuff to confess we confess and if there's stuff that we need hope returning to us because He didn't answer a prayer in a specific time period that we put our hope back in Him again because He is our hope today and then we'd ask Him to restore was taken and we walk away from the darkness knowing that there's hope and so I'm with my daughter yesterday and you know how I am about a, a, accumulating coined phrases to help our memory remember truth and she looks at me and she said dad I was reading this today we know better so let's do better I said say that again she said, I read this the other day. We know better so we can do better. I said, that would, would you text that to me? Because that's going to my message tomorrow. We know better, don't we? So my goal is not perfection. My goal is that, that we would do better as we begin to execute this thing of following Christ in our life. So how about if we do this? I mean, there may be some things that we, we need to confess there may be some things that he's forgiven us already maybe we just need to receive his forgiveness and say okay I got your gift God you, you can bring it into my life and, and, and I'm not going to go out and try to perform for your forgiveness and maybe it's just been a while since we just got quiet before him and today what we need is just to be still and know that he is God so I pray I pray these next few minutes would just be a time for you and him. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for clarification. We get confused sometimes because we live in a world, Lord, where what was once right is wrong and what was once wrong has become right. And I thank you that you don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that gives us a foundation. Lord, let this be the first day of the week that we set set the direction and set the perspective for our week. We want more of you. We know better, so help us do better. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.